0: and Welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and the first episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier has dropped on Disney+. And boy, is it a doozy. So, uh, right out of the gate, we are going to be talking about spoilers on this episode if you have not seen it yet. I highly recommend that you check it out. Uh, Very cool, very different from WandaVision, and uh, no less exciting, though, so we will dive right in. Uh, First thoughts on this first episode, I really, really liked it. I thought it was great. There are a couple spots in it that, on first blush, I uh, didn't like, but then when the episode ended, I realized why they did them, and I was like, oh, okay, that's fine, that's totally fine, but... Um, I wanted to call out a couple of things uh, before we get started of just uh, the people in the episode. So obviously, we've got Anthony Mackie, Sebastian Stan, Wyatt Russell makes his appearance as John Walker at the very end. Uh, Desmond, I believe it's Chayam or Chayam plays Dovich, who I think is the guy that Punches or he he kicks that that one person in Switzerland uh, into the lamp post. I was trying to see if maybe the, we could get some indicators there, but I'm not sure. And then um, Adapero Oduye plays Sarah Wilson, Sam Wilson's sister. What I wanted to call out, though, is Emily Van Camp and Daniel Bruhl, Zemo and Sharon, are not even in this first episode, which is crazy. Not only that, but Falcon and Winter Soldier are not even teaming up in this episode. It, was, it really was special in that way because I was assuming it was going to be kind of a nonstop action and they would be kind of fighting side-by-side side right off the bat, and that wasn't the case, which I really, really liked. But there were a couple of pretty big surprises in this episode. For those of you, I'm sure you all noticed them. There may be one, though, that you didn't notice, and uh, those are Don Cheadle uh, coming back as Rhodey. Fantastic. And then also George St. Pierre as Batchrock the Leaper. Uh, he had, did a great job in this one as well. But surprisingly, Danny Ramirez plays Joaquin Torres and he is the person that's kind of it felt like he was the prodigy of sam wilson in this episode he's kind of assisting him and helping him in the army and then kind of is getting intel on the flag smashers the new bad guys in this episode and it was funny because after the episode I was kind of thinking back on it a little bit and I was like oh you know he he's almost like the new Sam Wilson because uh you know Captain America had Sam Wilson and uh he certainly wasn't the kind of intel guy that Joaquin is playing but uh, at the same time it's like you know the, the sort of lesser of the two Captain Americas that has to earn his way to to the top and I I'm looking at IMDB and When I saw that it was Joaquin Torres, I don't think they ever actually say his name. Maybe they do, and I missed it. But Joaquin Torres, when I saw it, I was like, oh, shoot, that's Falcon in the comics. So very recently, over the last, I'd say, couple years, uh, a new character who is Falcon is in the comics, and his name is Joaquin Torres. And he is not exactly the same as Sam in that he has a uh, kind of machine flying wings. He's actually got wings. And it was a part of, I'm not, I don't remember all of it exactly. And I think, uh, let's see if I still have, I I pulled it up and was looking at it. Um, I did, but it was Hydra. I think Hydra experimented on him or he was kidnapped by the sons of the serpent and was experimented on and uh, grew wings his eyes got really big and he is interesting so uh, Carl Malice is the person who experimented on him and he is just a um, I guess a scientist but it says as a result of Carl Malice's experiments Joaquin was turned into a hybrid between a falcon and a human however red wing was used to transform Joaquin and he turned out to be a vampiric giving the young man additional abilities, which mostly manifested as being unable to revert his transformation. So I I did read those comics uh, way back when. It's been a while. That was when uh, I think that actually takes place during the... Um, yeah, and I'm seeing it here. I, I think this may be his... It says, Joaquin was 17 years old as of Captain America, Sam Wilson, number five. I am almost positive that he... Uh, and I bet you I can find it on here too. But his first appearance was... Yep, yeah. Captain America, Sam Wilson, number one. So h- him and a bunch of other people get experimented on by the Sons of the ser- sons of Serpent, uh, which I kind of liked as bad guys. And I know we're, we're getting off on a tangent here. But it was a, a bunch of people who all were snakes uh in terms of like bad guys throughout the Marvel universe so in a sense it was kind of cool cuz they all like they all tag teamed and it was like finally all the snakes are coming together but they all experimented on uh, a couple of people and so he was one of them they all ended up kind of getting like animal powers i think and some of them reverted back but he didn't and so his powers are obviously he can fly he has a regenerative healing factor and uh, a psychic link with Redwing with the actual the actual bird And so um, just fascinating that they would drop that in this first episode. Now, I am certainly not holding them to this in terms of, um, you know... Oh, you know, Joaquin is going to be the next Falcon, and he's going to have a big debut in the series. It's certainly possible that he does, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't put anything past Marvel, but I am not expecting that at all. (laughs) I I just think that that's a really cool Easter egg if they choose to use it in the future, and a cool thing that you guys can now share at parties when you uh, talk about this great new episode. Uh, The other thing as well is Amy Aquino plays Dr. Rayner, who is the person who's interviewing Um, or interviewing Bucky uh, for therapy and I swear I have seen her before in something and so I was looking her up and she has just been in so much uh, TV, like tons of TV shows and so when I'm looking at her and I, shout out to IMDB, if you rate movies on there, whenever you click on a person, uh, it'll say you may know them from and it shows all the movies that you rated. So for me, it may have been Moonstruck or Curb Your Enthusiasm or Grace and Frankie or Prison Breaks prison break or freaks and geeks but she has been in a lot of things and she did a fantastic job too so the uh the show itself like i said i loved it it starts out with non-stop action uh well you know it opens up with just sam kind of realizing the the weight of what happened when he conversed with captain america we get to see a nice little captain america talk uh over talk over i guess you could say you don't get to see him but uh talking about well you know it feels like it's not mine it's someone else's he says well it isn't And then it says, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And it's like, nice. But then we are thrown into the action of this show and if if uh, WandaVision didn't convince you that Marvel was fully diving into their high budget episode uh, amounts this episode should because the fight sequence and I guess you could say flight sequence that Sam goes on when he is trying to rescue a soldier who has been taken hostage by Batchrock uh, is just insane. It, it absolutely incredible. It's it not only kind of serves as a great opening for this episode, but it also serves as a really great catch up character piece for Sam, because you know we we saw him in Winter Soldier and he clearly knew how to fly, and uh, was very skilled at it. But then you 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 could see in Civil War that he his skills grew. Like, there were some things that he did in Civil War that, you know, it didn't seem like he could do in Winter Soldier. And same thing, sort of, in Infinity War where he's, you know, got three red wings flying around and exploding stuff and then he disappears and blips away and then we don't really get to see anything in Avengers Endgame. So... I guess you know he was gone for five years he certainly wasn't training he just wasn't existing but when we catch up with him in this episode i just the acrobatics that he displays are phenomenal like i have i've never been i i was actively going like oh yes oh awesome like in multiple parts, where he's jumping through canyons and flying through the plains, there's a really awesome bit where at the end he uh, he flies through this helicopter and saves the the guy right before they're about to get into Libya. It's it's a really tense scene because he he can't go into Libya otherwise he's going to get in trouble in terms of all the you know treaties and all. Oh, you can't go across uh, across other borders, but even red wing was badass in this episode and i i personally hadn't been a huge fan of red wing only because i did not like that scene in captain america civil war when he says his name is red wing and it's like okay no i know his name is red wing and he's like no he's cute go on pet him i just i that bit did not land with me and so i always had a like weird taste in my mouth about Red Wing and that is completely gone the taste is now the most delicious taste that I've ever had the fact that this little robot bird shot missiles at a helicopter and blew it out of the sky and then started shooting a machine gun at the uh, at the other helicopter and used its laser to fly into the side of the plane like oh my god it just it was incredible so he saves this guy. We get to see a lot of the bits that you see from the trailer, and then the entire rest of the episode is pretty devoid of action, and it it works. It really works. We we get this giant, huge, epic piece of of you know cinematography, I guess you could say, and then it's just quiet the rest of the episode. So uh, we catch up with Sam. He's decided, you know, and I, I I get why he's decided it because he doesn't feel like it's rightfully his to and trust me sam it is and you better get that shield back but he decides to give his shield back and and it was so funny because you know my my wife and i were watching it and she obviously doesn't follow it as close as i do i did show her the marvel legends episode of falcon right before but she you know he's giving his shield up and she's like great somebody's just gonna steal that shield and I was like, well, and I didn't say anything, but I was like, just, just wait. Like, you'll see, who knows? Like, it's in a pretty secure case. I wasn't trying to tell her, like, uh, trust me, the government is essentially the bad guys in this episode, but he gives this really great speech about Captain America and how special he is and what he meant to everybody. And we get to see Rhodey, Rhodey just shows up. And I, I loved how both when Batrock and Rhodey show up in the show or in this episode, there's no fanfare. There's no like... Oh, you know, a, a close-up shot with with a swell in the music. It's just part of the scene that he's there, and it makes so much sense that he would be there. So I just hats off to them for doing that. Like I loved that it was very simple, and it was it was no no frills about it. Like oh, you know, that's just it. Batrock's here. He's the bad guy. Well, you know, deal with it. And so he has a great conversation with uh, with Rhodey afterwards. They walk around through the captain america exhibit i did pause the screen and read the um the sections that were not i didn't catch any names in the vanished as it was rolling but on the sides of it there was one around when i guess the aliens invaded in infinity war and then also after the blip just looking for anything and and really didn't get any takeaways other than they did document on that calling uh, Thanos the mad titan i thought that was really cool but uh, that was about it, so the rest of it was just, you know, kind of a basic summary of what happens in Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, but he's talking with Rhodey, and Rhodey's kind of explaining, you know, the the world has changed, like alliances have been broken, new alliances have been formed, the good guys are the bad guys, the bad guys are the good guys sort of conversation, and it's, it's a really powerful scene, because they really utilize pauses in this scene, where Rody kind of shares that and then both of them are just silent and they're staring at this beautiful kind of mural of all the different captain america uh swag and and stories that are on the wall and it just it really hits you how just how powerful a person captain america was and not only that but how much captain america meant to sam there's there's a bit where uh he's kind of and i don't remember if it's in here or when he's watching something on tv but he's he's staring and it almost looks like he's about to cry but it's not like it's not a sadness it felt more like a just a you know a reg- not regret even but it j- the way that Anthony Mackie plays it is just it's so good and i completely forgot that uh, bucky was even in the show i'm like wow just let sam have his own show please this was incredible but we do we get bucky And Bucky is in therapy. Well, actually, we start with Bucky as having a nightmare. And it's a nightmare where he kills a bunch of people as the Winter Soldier, shoots this one guy, and, uh, you know, he wakes up. And it's like, oh, okay. Uh, You know, it was just him having a nightmare. And you guess it pretty quickly because he's got the red star on his arm. And he is full. uh, For half a second, I was like, wait a minute. Is this because they don't tell you it's a flashback. And so it kind of took me by surprise. But then I was like, yeah, 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 it's fine. And he wakes up. And he's in a tiny little apartment, and then the next scene is him showing up for therapy. And she's like, you know, did you? <laughs> are you having any dreams? And he's like, no. And, you know, I, I think what I like so much about this is, you know, I, I can't wait for when we do get to see Bucky and Sam together because based on the clips that we've seen, the interactions they are going to have are just, they're just going to be magical. They are going to be electric. And I love it because when you see them separately... It all They both have such a, a comedy to them where Sam, he's really good at cracking jokes. He's really good at making people feel good and, and kind of arousing people sort of thing. Whereas uh, Bucky, his comedy comes from how serious he is. And this scene where he's with the therapist, like we couldn't stop laughing. Like I was loving the scene because he's just like, no. No. And she's like, all right. And she's, he's like, what are you doing? No. What, what, why are you starting to write? That's passive aggressive. And uh, I, I thought that whole bit was great. But there was, there was an interesting thing here. And it, it, it I definitely noticed it. I didn't hate it. But they did a lot of close up shots of the therapist and of, of Bucky and i love that she just called him james i really liked that and it was a great conversation that they shared about you know trying to move on the fact that his mind is free he's been pardoned which i liked i really liked that call out so now we can confirm he is a free man and they're doing these really close up shots on on his face and on her face and i understand why and that's what i was saying at first i was like oh but then i was like it's it's so that it feels very claustrophobic when you're watching it it kind of gets you on edge and that's because Bucky is on edge during this. So he doesn't want to be there. Like he doesn't want to talk about his feelings. He clearly doesn't want to talk about his nightmares. And so he kind of shares a story, an awesome story about how he's getting sort of getting retribution and and making amends for all of the uh the the crimes that he's committed he's got a little black book where he's crossing names off it's kind of fair, f- reminds me a lot of Black Widow and the red and her ledger and he has this awesome bit where he's kind of uh remote piloting this car on an app and and she's like he's like you know I did everything you said I followed the three steps and she's like okay all right you know that sounds good what's step 1 and he said well, I'm, t- I'm trying to remember what step 1 is uh, it was like, stay, you know, stay hidden or so I don't remember, but step two was don't hurt anybody. He's like, don't hurt anybody. And you know, it shows him smashing some guy in the face. So he's definitely doing it, but she's like, you know, that's the biggest one. He's like, well, if that's the biggest rule, that should be rule number one. And then she's like, all right, well, what about rule number three? and he says rule number 3 and he he as he recites rule number 3 he is reciting rule number 3 to the people in the car as he's explaining to them that you know i'm i'm doing this as a this is a healing process for me and this is me trying to make amends and i just thought that whole that whole bit was great again you're you're juxtaposing the violence that he just he, he wasn't born in it, but he was forged. It's kind of like the Scarlet Witch in that violence. And, and she talks about like, you're a hundred years old. And he says, I have been, I have been, uh, having violence and, and doing violence for the last 90 years. And she's like, you're free now. And he goes, well, what am I supposed to do now? And it's such a powerful statement that, um, You know, it's it's something that you know we see in a lot of older movies as well. Those movies that deal with the, uh, not necessarily older and newer. I'm thinking of like the best days of our lives, and brothers. uh, Those war movies where the people come back and they don't know what to do with their life because all they knew was, uh, you know, the war, and the tours, and, and being in battle, and Bucky has certainly known that his entire life, so now that he's free to do what he wants, it's like, uh, what what do you do? <laughs> you, you can't do it, like, you're so used to one thing, and now you have to try to find another way to live, and it's really, really hard, and I loved that he's still kind of staying in Brooklyn, it, it goes to Brooklyn next, he's walking around, and he meets with, um, he meets with this guy, and I'll, I'll find his name, but this is where we get to a scene where him and his friend are uh, eating lunch together at a sushi restaurant, no less. Which I was I was very happy to see that. And we're gonna see if we can find him on IMDb. I don't think, I don't think. Yeah, I'm I'm not seeing him listed. But it's an older Asian man, and him and the two of them go eat lunch together, and it was a real great bit. He's like, "No, I don't want to go eat lunch with you." He's like, "Oh well, I'm buying." He's like, "Okay, fine, fine, we'll go eat." And the the old man helps him kind of get a date with the server at the sushi restaurant. And then he starts talking about his son. And he says, like, oh, my son loved uh, red bean mochi. And, uh, you know, just kind of gets really sad. And he says the hardest thing about losing him is, like, when he died, they they never told me how he died. They just said that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And... It, it was very jarring i thought because there's it's, it was certainly a sad scene but then the scene just ends and we go over to sam and i was like why is this scene here and i wasn't connecting the dots and honestly i'm glad that i didn't connect the dots it certainly was a bummer that i was like Ooh, is there actually going to be like a couple of nitpicks that i have with this episode uh, but as time goes on obviously we realize that that scene is incredibly important and we go back to i think the next scene is with sam but he he shows up with his uh, at his sister's place down in louisiana and just a cool scene to see him interacting with uh, his family his sister his nephews they're older now he makes a mention about that to rody earlier that you know when he came back they were 5 years older and so she's kind of a a cook uh, kind of a fisher, fisherwoman who um, they, they don't they aren't really clear maybe I didn't catch what it is exactly that she does but she definitely runs a wharf and uh, runs a sort of fishing company but the way that they made it sound like was that she isn't really doing that anymore just because it's been really hard for her to make do while Sam was gone and obviously while half of the universe was gone and uh, there's this whole bit about their family boat and she wants to sell it to kind of get a little bit of money because it sounds like they're in a lot of debt and sam doesn't want to he's like oh you know we can fix this up we could do this and she's like sam no and it's a really tough scene uh because not only is it the one scene but it extends throughout the rest of this episode of of the again the the soldier who's come back from war and wants things to be the way that they were and it's a really powerful scene because we also are getting that layer on top of this um, kind of being a a superhero in a world that still just sees you as a black man, and you know we get we get further of that in the episode when they go to visit the bank, but it's just it's funny that you know, and I guess this is all praise goes to Marvel, but when I when we watched these other movies. Age of Ultron, Winter Soldier, Infinity War, the people that always, especially, especially in Age of Ultron, the people that really feel like they got left behind are the B-actors, right? The B-characters, the, B the Scarlet Witch, Vision, uh, Sam, Bucky... We see we see them and they're kind of these characters but we don't know a lot about them and so i just think it's so great that marvel has taken the time to make these shows we've now gotten so much character growth for wanda and for vision and now we're getting that exact same treatment for sam and bucky two people that before i always had wanted to know more about and the way that they're fleshing these characters out is just so perfect and honestly really accurate to a lot of military people and we're getting to see two kind of different perspectives of that you're getting the you're getting like i said the the bucky military perspective of war is all i know Uh, i don't really know how to go on and that that feels very reminiscent again of like brothers and uh, other films like that but then you get the sam perspective of he's still serving and that feels more like uh almost like The Hurt Locker, which is funny because I, uh, and I, I think I'd mentioned this on another episode, but I, I just finished watching the movies documentary on HBO Max. It's, it's uh, I believe it's six episodes. They're an hour and a half each, but each episode is a decade, the decade of movies. So it goes from the fifties all the way to the end of the, the late 2000s. And there's obviously a bit in there about the Hurt Locker, and for those of you that didn't know, uh, in terms of MCU connections, Jeremy Renner and Anthony Mackie are in the Hurt Locker. And it's funny because he's such a great actor, Anthony, and he, he likes to play these characters that are soldiers, and he's, he's portraying this soldier that is coming back but kind of still has one foot in uh, on the ground in the sense where he's still doing missions for the air force for the army he's still flying around trying to be a superhero but he wants to move on like he wants to have this life where he's he's trying to be a part of his sister's life and he's trying to be a part of his nephew's life but he wants everything to stay the same because he's been gone and that is another huge struggle that I think a lot of people in the military experience when they come back home, especially on those tours that are really, really long. And they and I I I don't know. I'll, I'll say this. I don't, I don't know anything about that. The only person in my family that actually there's well two people in my family. My my father was in the Air Force. Um, he didn't. I don't think he went anywhere though. He he was just uh, on base. And my cousin was in the Navy or is in the Navy still. And she, she is, she's gone all over the place and flown around, but I, I haven't personally been impacted by a lot of that military perspective. Uh, actually my grandparents, both of my grandfathers were in the military as well. My, my, uh, pap was in the, uh, the Navy and my grandpa was in the army, but I just I I never had that experience like these you know, the movies kind of portray where, you know, they're they're lost, they're adrift, they don't really know what to do with their lives, that sort of thing. And so I love seeing that on screen because it gives me more perspective and it helps me to understand that. I've never been A huge uh, proponent of the military. Uh, Just my own sort of personal beliefs on that. I I feel bad for people who feel like they have to go into the military, whether that's because they can't afford to pay for school or whatever the case may be. There's a lot of instances where I I think the military kind of manipulates people into doing that. But at the same time, there are a lot of people like Steve Rogers who are so passionate about serving their country and helping out their country. And to me, that's what Sam is, in, in a sense. He he wants to be there, but he wants to come back and move on. And you can't, you can't move on. And it's so sad because life moves on without you. Like Sam being gone for five years is the equivalent of those people who, who are like taken prisoner in in uh, you know whatever war it is, and they they come back home and the world has changed. Their their families have moved on. Like their lives have. everyone has moved on and they want things to be back the way they were and it just they can't and it's really sad and so that I, i guess that's a really long explanation of that but sam and anthony mackie does such a good job of portraying that of like, yes, we can do this. We can fix this boat. I'm going to get us that loan. And he, he, he talks with his sister, like, let's just get a loan to consolidate all of these debts that we have. And then we can use this boat to start ferrying people, trolleying all that sort of stuff. And she starts believing him. And I got really sad during that scene. Cause I'm like, I know the end game of this, right? Like we've seen it before you know, it's it's very hard for somebody who has a debt like that, but also because of the color of their skin to get alone. And so we actually get to experience that firsthand as Sam and his sister go to the bank and uh, don't get alone. And she's, you know, she plays, she does such a good job of being the realist in all of this, constantly trying to tell him like, it's not going to work. You don't get it and he's being so uh, ideal idealistic i guess you could say cuz you know they're sitting there and the bank guys like i know you from something he's like were you in i think he says like were you in to play for LSU and he's like does this sort of wing thing he's like oh that's it you're falcon and takes a p- picture of him and we get the uh, and again you know it's coming but there's that glint of hope where you're like oh okay you know maybe sam is going to get the loan because he's the fa- he's falcon right like he should it's it makes sense and he says well but you know what have you been doing for work and he's like are you serious like i was gone for 5 years that's why i don't have any you know prior work of the last 5 years is because i didn't exist and this dumbass banker just doesn't get it and i I saw some people trying to compare him to Hayward and I I would argue that he's worse than Hayward because Hayward knows who he is. Hayward knows that he is a, uh, I mean, H- Hayward's going to argue that he is not a bad guy, but Hayward knows deep down what he wants and he knows that he is going to do whatever he can to get what he wants. This guy is just your classic sort of, uh, you know, the i i guess you could say it's not white blindness but he's basically the oh i'm sorry you know based on all of this i can't help you out like i I, blah, blah blah so he's he's just going based off of all the stuff that he knows and honestly that's worse i think it's the people that kind of give this quiet racism in a sense where they're asleep and they don't realize that they're doing it whereas like i said hayward knows exactly what he's doing so i would argue that that banker is worse than hayward and uh, it's just, again, a really tough scene because then they leave and he's like, no, we're going to we're going to figure something out. And it's like, Sam, <laughs> Sam, it, it, it seems like the deck is stacked against you. And I'm really hoping that I mean, my mind immediately went to uh, and this scene actually takes place after it. But at the same time, Joaquin is in Switzerland and he is joining not joining but uh trying to meet up with the flag smashers and he kind of goes over these flag smashers with sam earlier in the episode when they're in uh, tunisia and i kind of like that scene as well there's a bit where these two people come up to sam and thank him for saving his wife and he responds in their language which i thought was cool but joaquin's explaining to him like these flag smashers kind of popped up after the blip and they kind of want things to be the way that they were where there's no borders kind of you know it sounds like they're they're anarchists but we don't know enough i think about them in this episode to draw that full of a conclusion but they're definitely an intriguing bad guy as a whole so joaquin and sam are kind of chit-chatting about this and sam's like all right you know go for it follow up uh keep it keep it on the dl and let me know if anything crazy happens And so he does. He goes to Switzerland and tries to become one of them. And we see this guy jump out of a building with two giant duffel bags of what are presumed to be money. Because a couple of cops are like, oh, you know, he's got the money sort of thing. But they're all wearing those Flag Smasher masks that have the handprints on them. And this guy, who again, it sounds like based off of IMDb, his name is Dovich. And he like kicks this guy and the guy flies into a uh, flagpole and then, or a light post. And then Joaquin tries to stop him or like points his gun at him. And the guy just smacks the gun out of his hand and slams him onto the ground and then boot kicks him in the face and, uh, and he gets knocked out. And so it's funny because had I known this was Joaquin Torres from the very beginning, I would have been pretty excited about it, but I didn't. And so my wife and I, in those beginning scenes, the way that he was acting, Uh, And I probably the way the actor was choosing to act, but it seemed like he was a bad guy. And I don't know if you guys thought that too, but in that scene in Tunisia, when he's kind of, he was very awkward with the way that he was talking to Sam. And so we were like, Ooh, he could be a bad guy. But now obviously he just got the crap beaten out of him by the flag smashers. And we were like, well, I guess he's not a bad guy. But then again, the scene, you know, with Sam in the bank as he's leaving, I was like, Ooh, you know, it would be nice if by the end of the season, he, uh, he gets the bags of money and gives that money to his sister so that we can keep kind of keep the things afloat though. Obviously, you know, things never come that easy and that's just wishful thinking on my part. But from there we get a, uh, kind of a couple bits. We get Bucky now on his date and uh he plays uh battleship with this girl and i love this scene too because he's talking with her and she's like so how old are you and he's like oh he says 106 <laughs> and i don't think she believes him and she's like oh okay well why are you wearing those gloves he has his gloves on and it's like dude because you got a metal arm and he says ah i've got poor circulation and then there's there's one of those little hello kitties on the on the counter of the sushi bar and he he stops it, which reminded me a lot of Iron Man two when uh, I think that was Iron Man two, where he tries to stop the thing that's in front of uh, I think is in front of Pepper's desk or uh, whoever's desk that was in the in the movie. Um, but yeah, so they, they drink and, and have fun and they're kind of chit chatting and she's asking him you know the the kind of dating questions that you would ask and uh, says you know you have any siblings and he says I have a sister I had a sister and it's just you know the the scene itself is really cute and really sweet it's really nice to see that bucky is getting out and about and you know meeting somebody even if it's not even something serious i mean he talks with her about the dating apps that he's been using and that people are having tiger photos which i think is a you know a a shout out to tiger king but also the beer he's drinking i think is a tiger beer but you know in in any other context it would be it's a meet cute right it's it's a really nice meetup and But the the questions that she's asking are constantly having him reflect on the fact that everybody that he knows is dead. Because I'm assuming his sister is dead. There's no way she's 106 years old. He, she says, How, are you close with your parents? And he was like, I was. They died. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. And uh, so by the end of it, though, she says, she starts talking about... The old man that he was with, and saying, you know, it's really, really nice that you're you're spending time with him. He's just been so broken up since his son died, and you know, the toughest part is just him not knowing how he died. And Bucky just gets up and leaves. And I, again, I was like, what? Why is he doing? That? I don't understand. And then the min, the next literal next scene is him walking to the apartment of the guy, and before the door even opened, I was, I literally out loud went, oh no, and the old man opens his door, he's got a shrine behind him for his son, and it is the guy that Bucky killed in his nightmare, so way back at the beginning of that episode, there's a, there's an Asian man who, uh, is uh he just and they i guess they weren't really lying he was in the wrong place at the wrong time the winter soldier was there to kill these these targets and the guy's like please man like i didn't see anything and then he just shoots him and so the um, the emotional weight that hit me when that scene happened it I I don't know if that was the intention of Marvel. I don't I'm sure some of you out there caught that almost immediately when he started talking about how his son, you know, died and he didn't know how his son died, but he he just it it that wrecked me. And I think to me that was that along with the the bank loan scene and then this end scene that we we're, we're going to talk about. Those were the biggest emotional hits. And I, I he he says I I just I I forgot to pay you for lunch. And he hands him a, co- a little money and then leaves. And the old man kind of sees like something is up. But, you know, we, we can't know for sure. And I just... He pulls out his notebook and, and the guy's name is circled. And I just keep thinking about the hard road that Bucky has ahead. Because how how can you reconcile with people? And, you know, they, they talk about that in WandaVision. When Monica talks with Wanda after... The you know she releases everybody from the hex and all of that sort of stuff and and Monica says you know they're they're never gonna know what you did for them, and she says something like you know yeah no they never will basically like they're not gonna ever appreciate me again no matter how. it's that it's that age old argument of you do one bad thing and people are gonna remember you for that for the rest of your life no matter how many good deeds you do. They are only going to match up to your worst deed and you know wanda taking a whole town hostage there's just a there's a power to these marvel characters because bucky has killed so many people i mean it's assumed in that booklet that a lot of those people he's trying to make amends with somehow there's death involved at some point with them and that's a long list of people and so to tell somebody like hey just a heads up, just to, cl- just to make sure we're clear. My, I, I no longer am under brain control and I've also been pardoned. So I'm like, I'm not a criminal. So I'm, and I'm trying to make things right. Who in their right mind would forgive him? And I, I, I don't blame a single person for not forgiving him for what he did like mind control or not. I, I, I think over time, like for me, I, I think, Oh, well, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to say yes or no on that. I, I can't I can't even imagine if if Bucky killed my family. I probably wouldn't forgive him. And even if there was a whole mind control aspect, maybe that would make things a tiny bit easier. But it's never going to close that wound. And so you just see that in his eyes. You see that in the way that he looks at uh, he looks at that old man. And it just it's it's heartbreaking to know that. Again, he's he's trying to tell his therapist like what am I supposed to do now? Like I'm trying to make amends, but what am I supposed to do? So that that really both for both him and for Sam, this episode really sets up why they are going to work so well together and why they're also not going to work so well together. So we'll we'll get into that in a second. But the you know the episode ends with uh Sam's uh talking with Joaquin who's filling him in on what happened and says, "All right, you know, keep me updated. Let's keep this quiet for now." And his sister comes in and says, "You need to see this." And on the news is the Department of Defense announcing the new Captain America, who again we we'd seen before. We've gotten the announcements. It's John Walker, played by Wyatt Russell, who is from uh, he's from Everybody Wants Some. He's from uh, Twenty Two Jump Street. Uh, just I I enjoy him and he does a really good job of playing that sort of doofus so I think he's going to do a really good job of playing the doofus Captain America but oh my god that last scene he walks out and winks at the camera and then the episode ends but we also get a good thing of Sam kind of staring at the tv with again this look in his eye and and Anthony just does such a good job of telling these stories with just a look but he's looking at him like of course I would decide to return the shield and with the express purpose that, one, you know, and, and I guess it'd be a sub, see, subconsciously, I'm still trying to figure me out, right? Like, I'm still trying to figure out if I can accept this mantle. Because at the end of the day, in a perfect world, Sam would realize, you know what, I am. And then he would break into the Smithsonian and, you know, smash the thing, smash the glass and take the shield. It'd be this great scene. But what what is so much worse than that is the government kind of just as they've done in so many other instances with people of color in the past is just weaseling their way around them and taking advantage of them and so you know he with all of the goodwill in his heart gives this shield back so that it can be a monument for steve and they literally turn around in what feels like a day to give this shield to john walker a white guy who you know for all intents and purposes is probably who they wanted to be captain america in the first place like they they would have never wanted sam to be captain america because it would have just been too divisive and so he's all of that is being told through his eyes as he stares at the screen and that and that's the end of the episode and so like i said i think this really opens up a great dynamic for the two of them because we've got At some point, obviously, the bad guys are going to collide and we're going to need to tag team these two, but they're both going to be kind of getting what they want, which is Sam wants to move on. Sam wants to kind of, it feels like he wants to start this next stage of his life, and he doesn't really know what that is. He doesn't realize that what that is could be becoming Captain America. Uh, are becoming the next Captain America and he he hasn't he hasn't really he hasn't really dealt with that yet and he hasn't you know realized or or agreed like yes fine that's what it is he needs time and he needs he needs some more experiences to kind of get under his belt where bucky at the same time he doesn't know what to do with himself and he is trying to make amends, so those just, those mesh so well together for them being a team up of both of them kind of fighting for their own purpose, but that purpose being an equal purpose between the two of them, so I am so excited to see how this plays out, I am so excited to see the next five episodes as they come, I, I think at the end of the day, Obviously WandaVision was was perfect for what it needed to be. I really loved WandaVision, but I love that every episode for this is hopefully going to be roughly 45 minutes to an hour. I think that is the perfect amount of storytelling for especially this story. So I'm just I I I'm not dreading waiting a whole week. I think I'm going to have a lot of fun diving back into this episode and watching it and really sitting on some of those themes because they they really set them up in a great way so that they're going to have payoff at the end like something there's gonna be something that happens where his sister's going to get the loan and uh or or they're going to be able to move on and who knows maybe marvel goes the reality route and they don't and they have to struggle for the rest of their days just like so many people of color in America but i really hope they that they get that happiness i hope that bucky's able to move on a little bit but at the same time that's what makes these stories so great is them dealing with real world issues and so for this to be a show of essentially brothers right this is the brothers tv show of two soldiers who are no longer in war and are having to move on and find purpose through something else which sounds like it's going to be some amazing thing that comes up whether that's them fighting the flag smashers or them fighting baron zemo i don't know but again we didn't even see baron zemo we didn't even see sharon carter so i'm excited to see how their stories dovetail into this there's a lot to look forward to with this story So that is where I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, For Comics and Cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.